Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is DCI number 120. In this episode, Brian and I are talking to James Spanos of Wormwood Studios about their new game, Until I Have You, which is a 2D action platformer set in a cyberpunk universe. The game is set to come out very soon, and you can find out more information in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. All right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, get the show on the road. James, thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm well. I, I'm okay. always excited. Wednesday night here. We're, we're hanging in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> halfway through the week. Over uh, halfway through uh, the week now. That's exciting. Uh, I'm already well into uh, Thursday, so. Yeah, it's true. How is tomorrow it's looking? It's almost... It's almost weekend. Usually I code more in weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay. Uh, so, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, we are here to talk about uh, your new game that's coming out very soon, uh, Until I Have You. But before we get to talking about that, let's talk a little bit about uh, the man behind the game and kind of who you are and, and what you've done on the project up to now. Uh, so who are okay. you? So, uh, okay, my name is James Panos. Uh, I'm from Greece, the land that's currently in debt, but let's <laughs> not go there. <laughs> um, I, as far as I know, there's not many many Greek developers here, which is not a bragging right. It's kind of a sad situation because mm. I think there's a potential for them to exist. So basically, this game called Until I Have You has been it's something I've been working on with an Italian guy. Uh, the artist is uh, by, that goes by the name of Andrea Ferrara. So he's worked on some games as well, but this is not my first game. Uh, this is the fourth commercial one I've been in. Yes, it's the fourth. The first one was uh, the downfall, and then there was uh, I did some interface programming for the cat lady, and then mm-hmm. I coded entirely Primordia, which uh, it was out on 2012, and then uh, oh yeah, that's the one. That's the fourth one. So yeah, I've been around a while, I think. Uh, this project has been going on for a year now, so actually one year and a half. And surprisingly, we are spot on the deadline, because the deadline was April, and that's the day of the release. Oh wow! April fantastic. 4th, actually. <laughs> fantastic. That's the that's... first time this has happened to me. Usually, we just <laughs> run behind them. <laughs> I can imagine. It, it, was that date set out from like the beginning? Uh, yeah, that was a date set out from the beginning, and I said, let's not do that mistake again, because for example, Primoria that took like uh, two years for us, we had it. We started on uh, January, and the artist was like, we can finish this in August. No, actually, no, scratch that. We're gonna finish this in July, and two years later, <laughs> that <laughs> happened. Yeah, but I, it's okay. I think deadlines are fun. Sure. Sure. Deadlines are always uh, yeah. good because uh, as you, know you get closer to them, you, you have to work harder. And it, for me, without deadlines, I, I just never get anything done. Ever. No, I like them to exist as a concept because they push you to do things. Mm-hmm. But that's how I feel because usually my team is like, uh, I don't feel like doing this. Or this has come up. And it's okay because, you know, real life, tends to eventually, you know, catch you uh, in, in surprise. But um, I think that not everyone takes deadline as I take them, at least. And that's not, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. I mean, personally, I love them because they pressure me to do something within a time limit. But everyone kind of, you know, it kind of gets everyone else down. <laughs> so that's deadlines, I guess. I, I like deadlines because I, I like to procrastinate. And if you don't have a deadline, you can't procrastinate because you're not procrastinating anything. You're just you're just not doing anything. And so if I at least have a deadline and I'm not doing something, 
then I can at least feel like I am doing something in that I'm procrastinating. So it's... I, I don't well, know. Well, I have never thought of that. <laughs> can you... Can you can you please teach me in your way, Senpai? I will be your student. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I'm not even mad. <laughs> what what's and the main driver in setting the deadlines? Is it is it um, uh, is it budget? Is it like you know we have to? This is just is it just some arbitrary date that's set? Like this is when we'd like to be done. What what kind of drove April as? No, this is the deadline that we want to set. Well, we did uh, uh, the the funny thing. The fun thing is that we did uh, actually the game was supposed to be finished by December. Oh no, no, not December. I think uh, January, or actually the end of February. But uh, I added uh, some months ahead so we can you know have a spare time, you know, to in, to make sure that nothing falls apart and we just you know don't have anything. So. And likely there were some things I wasn't, you know, um, I haven't done them before by, on my own. Like, for example, the voice acting part, I, I have never done that before. We used to have voice acting, but I wasn't the one, you know, responsible for it. Hmm. So I said, uh, let's make this more flexible so we can, you know, have time to spare and it doesn't, you know, crumble on us. And actually that worked out very well. Nice. Nice. What what kind of drove the uh, the original idea of you know uh, possibly the you know last fall, but give you some extra time to just make sure everything was done? How do you come up with a date like that? Is it just from experience of uh, okay. like oh you know this is the scope, so it, it'll probably take this long? Is is that just well, is it, that just it, an experience it, thing? I think it's uh, it's uh, how you can calculate things, and usually people are awful at this. But <laughs> I've I've come to grown very good at this. So basically, we had uh, the first two chapters of the game done uh, uh, one month each or so. So I said we can take one month per chapter, and we had twelve to go. And uh, the issue is that the, pro the the drawback of that was that we had to add some design choices that didn't exist in the scope. So it kind of, you know, increased the difficulty of reaching the deadline. But yeah, that was it, basically. Okay. Um, we we worked on the game before before you know starting to go commercial. So there was it was easier to calculate things. Plus, my artist is like I don't know how how he even exists. Like um, I can explain what I mean by that. Is that uh, usually just code something and then. The artist, you know, you just say, I want this scene drawn, for example, or this part of the game drawn, and usually the artist takes like a week or so, because they are, you know, bohemian like that. But this one is like very amazing at this, because you, he like, I was coding something, or you know, designing it, and then he would say like, I'm bored, give me something to draw. <laughs> that I don't think that ever existed, ever. It's probably a lie. <laughs> Because, of course, for example, in Primordia, um, our artist that, uh, you know, did like uh, 70 sketches or so, and, I don't know, about 10,000 images, that's a lot, um, he, he usually just did a bunch. For example, he would be like, you know, uh, trying things within the month, and then like three days before uh, the deadline for set scope we were doing at that point, he would go like, Oh, here's like 2,000 sprites of animations and stuff I we need to put in the game. So we, we usually went Oops. with placeholders. That. Yeah, I know that that's even worse. That's even worse you, because you can't be angry because you can't say you know no. He was productive. It's just the timing that is very off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't blame him. Like you know, what did you do now? He was being super productive. It just it kind of uh, throws you off your you know. Because you usually, before that, you spend time, you know, looking at the screen, the screen is looking at you, and you don't do anything. And then eventually you get to the point where you're going to use placeholders, which is a bit stupid, I think. I don't like that tactic, to be honest. It's a thing, well, most of the people do kind of do placeholders, but I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm kind of against them. Because sometimes, you know, when you're making a scene in a game, regardless of the game you're making, it's hard to judge things when there are placeholders and stickman figure. Well, that's what I use because I can't draw anything. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, I'm not sure if you played the game, by the way. But if you opened the game uh, once, you would see the main menu, and that's the the picture of the woman and the hair. That's the only thing I've drawn in the entire thing ever. That's the best thing I will ever do ever in my life. <laughs> I, I, I see the like. I tried good job. so much doing that. It's, it took me a week for someone, you know, and they were, uh, my, um, the artist fixed it for me, but it took me forever to do that. I don't know how artists do it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't right. know either. But that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine it would be really frustrating um, to, uh, you know, want to get some art done and then like three days before you need to start putting it in. It's like, oh, here's all of the art. I'm not just going to hand it out to you, <laughs> you know, as I draw it. I'm just going to give it to you all at once right before it needs to be implemented. Um, and, I, and I can imagine that, yeah. like, implementing the art would make a, a big difference, especially in a, a game that's, you know, going to be more, you know, it's, it's 2D-like. Um, uh, like, Until I Have You and is less about, like, 3D lighting and, and stuff like that. I, I imagine it goes a long way to going, oh, yeah, this is what the game looks like. Um and I, I imagine that can make a big yeah, difference as you are kind of working on it. Yeah, it makes a big difference because even, for example, for enemy types or, you know, something you're coding on a platformer, it's hard to, you know, to gauge things, I guess, um, when you don't have the exact sprite dimensions. And usually the way I think things are going to be coded and the way... Uh, my artists went were usually very different so once I tried using placeholders and then I didn't tell him you know that I had things kind of hard-coded in a certain way for certain things and then we have like this huge miscommunication issue that it took us like one day to figure out that it was a miscommunication issue mm. and yeah that, that was uh, that was a that was a problem I can imagine. Uh, but generally, I, yeah, absolutely. yeah. But generally, I think um, uh, artists are hard to come by, and I'm very grateful for Andrea because he's been a good friend and and a very good supporter. Actually, he saw the first version of the game, which was like I used Strider sprites on a background of a kitchen. I just used a random image because I wanted to test things <laughs> and I found a kitchen on a Google search. Yeah, and he saw that and it's got awful, and he said. And he sent me a mail and said, I want to make this game. And I'm like, that's not a game. That was awful. And he kept <laughs> insisting that we make it. He, like, no, I, I literally thought... Yeah, I know. I, I just, you know, uh, I presented gar garbage to him and trash. And he said, wow, that's brilliant. He was like, he, he saw the potential in it. That's awesome. I don't know how he that's, did it. I thought, he, I thought it was great. stupid. <laughs> That is that is. It really took me cool. a while to realize the game is nice. Like it took mm. us, uh, it took me three months to realize that what we're doing is actually fun to play. And I'm not a very good judge of games, and I can tell you this amazing story if you want to hear it about Absolutely. what I told. Okay, it's 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 important that I don't reveal the spoil. So, uh, you guys know the independent gaming site, the TIG, right? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Uh, Okay, okay, so a long time ago, uh, there was a topic, I made a topic about a game, I about Primordia that I was working on at that time, and it was a very early stage, and we didn't have any replies, and uh, then I went to the IRC, and I was like kind of, you know, bitchy about it, because I thought the game looked, you know, nice, and nobody cared, and uh, so as I was in my bitchy mood, sorry for keep saying that. That's all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I see this other thread that has like 25 replies within an hour. And I see this god-awful game, like super stupid game. Uh, it was called Terraform or something. Anyhow, um, that was the first name it got. So I, w I go to the IRC, they have an IRC. And I was, you know, kind of in a complaining kind of mood. I was angry about internet. So yeah, okay. That's a complex, I think. <laughs> uh, so this guy that Happens has the game was actually 
Yeah, I know, I know. But he he was online, so I I tell him that you know I, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't see your game going anywhere. Because actually, I still believe that that game was stupid, and that guy was notch. The Minecraft nice. notch. Yep. <laughs> I told mine. I told notch. Don't make your game. So that says a lot about me, I think. Does he regularly send you pictures of the huge house that he has in California? Uh, I think I think it's even worse than that. He probably doesn't even remember me. But I was. Right, exactly. um, but the thing is that this uh, this conversation spawned another conversation where uh, this guy Ring Riftwood, I think, uh, was telling him that the ga- the name of the game is not very catchy, and then they came up with Minecraft, and he sent him. Because I keep talk, I, I still talk to that guy, and he sent him a copy of Minecraft, and I think a thousand dollars. That's like pebbles, <laughs> but you know, it's appreciation, I guess. I still think that Minecraft is kind of, you know, not stupid, but very uh, uninteresting to me. But I think Notch made a huge bet that, you know, for this game to work, there has to be user content, and that's a huge, you know, bold move to make mm-hmm. as a developer. Mm-hmm. Because you basically rely on everything else but you. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that. Uh... Yeah, that is that is really counting. That's that simply providing systems for people to kind of make their own thing is absolutely yeah. kind of putting all of your fun. eggs in their basket. That's that is a big yeah, deal. Yeah, up to them to do it, and I think not. Like I remember on the TIGs chat usually they're very you know elitist in a way and they used to talk him down like before the game was very popular like it is now and and they used to say they used to tell him that you know the the view distance algorithm that he uses isn't very good or you know that he could do some different texturing and stuff and he didn't care like he had this vision and he wanted to go with it and that and kudos to that because if he hurt him if he Actually, you know, if I went through to him, like a a big, good game, even if it's not for me, would wouldn't be out. So that's good. That says a lot about me. Well, I I still haven't played Minecraft, and I have no desire to. So you know, it it happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I know it's uh, it's not a bad I, game per se. Just you know, I personally find it very uninteresting. Like I don't, I don't see any point in doing what you do in the game, which is mining and crafting things, yeah. and building things. That, that you it's know, the, those blue things. I would describe it as very much things. like a uh, like a slow burn. Like if you're not ready to to put that stuff into the fire, um, then you're really not going to get anything out of it. Um, what's not very slow, and here's my big segue here, is uh, until I have you. That game goes fast. <laughs> no, I know that's that's the, the that's the point. I think the best description, like if the game wasn't as serious as it is, you know, in the story, because it's kind of you know very serious in it. I would rename it to Death Simulator because it would work. Because you just keep dying. In that <laughs> game. I, like personally, when I play a level and I want to get to a point, and I'm not very patient about it, I go like, okay, let's play this, and then I die. And then I just made those debug things where I just spawn wherever I want. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's very... That was the idea of it, you know, to make it very fast. I felt like that was um, a good way to go. Sure. Basically, the inspiration of the game was um, uh, was the fact that, you know, Generally, games nowadays are very, you know, easy, but not in a good way easy. Like, they give the player everything they want, and they don't kind of test their skills in a in a way. Do it make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, for for example, when you play Call of Duty, you can't die anymore. Like, you used to die with, uh, you know, you had HP, so you had to be more careful. Now you just get a lot, of, a lot of bullets in your face and then you just, you know, duck down for a while undercover and then you just heal up all your all your health back. And I felt that that wasn't, you know, that had to be existing. In, even in, in, in genres that it doesn't exist that much like Call of Duty, but, you know, 
uh, platformers usually are very hard nowadays anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for example, Super Meat Boy is like, oh, God, that game is so hard. But I was always a fan of Mega Man 2, which is a very ridiculous, unfair game. But very, you know, it's it's very rewarding to play such games and beat them because you feel like you you know you're a good player sure and for example when i beat call of duty i any i mean not the first call of duty that were great but nowadays it's like eh, it's the same old thing it's like everything is handed to me th- with a silver with a silver platter oh god that war um yeah, I think part of that comes from just people wanting you to get to the end, considering how few games, you know, they, how few people get finished in a game. You know, they, they get so far, I don't know if they get bored or it gets too difficult, and then they just drop out and they, they play something else. I, I wonder if some of that kind of just trying to usher you to the end uh, comes from them just wanting you to have beaten the game. Um and not so much feel rewarded yeah. for having beaten the game, but just they want you to like be able to say, "Yeah, I, I actually played through all of this." I don't know. No, I agree with that. I think, I think as a design point, that's very you know, as a commercial point at least, it's a very you know, it always exists in the mind of a designer. You know, this is this too hard? Is you know somebody gonna, you know, give up on this? That's that's a that's a problem that I think everyone has, you know. Like for example, in an adventure game, it could be a puzzle. In a platformer, it could be a stage, a boss. In a uh, in a FPS, it could be a shooting. It could be anything. Everyone has that, you know, that back thought, like in that thought in their back of their heads, you know, is this too hard? Is this gonna annoy people? I think it's all based on how you make rules. Like a game could be hard, but it could be just, you know, it could be fair. Mm-hmm. It's annoying when you die, you know, for example, because uh, a shot, you know, a, a, you got shot through a window or through a wall. Actually, that's a very cute, uh, that's a very accurate uh, description of multiplayers anymore, you know, nowadays. Because mm-hmm. everyone has wall hacks and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it depends on how just the game is and how rewarding it will be, you know, to finish the stage. Sure. I mean,. For example, in Until I Have You, the the boss fights are very grandiose and very, you know, epic. It's not like you just do something that you have done in the stages. It changes a bit. Uh, But there was like uh, some of the playthroughs I've seen live. uh, I would say to them, because I I knew they were, you know, kind of torturing themselves. Not because they were bad players, but, you know, because they were replaying the same thing over and over. And I would say to them... You know, it's okay, I'm going to just make it easier. And they would be like, turn around like an exorcist and say, No, I want to beat this. And then they would feel very happy when they did. And I like that sentiment. I mean, of course there's going to be players that are going to say, you know, for example, Oh, this is so difficult. You know, this is bullshit or something. But uh, the majority at least didn't give up on the game. Nice. So, how do you go about... Well, I guess, before we get to talking about, like, actually testing out the, the difficulty and fine-tuning that, um, for, for people that don't know, can you give us kind of the, the rundown of what Until I Have You is? Okay. Um, all right. So, basically, it's... Uh, I've said this before, but it's, um, it's a story-driven platformer, you know. Uh, it's a cyberpunk, actually, which isn't very rare these days. Uh, and it's about um, you mean you mean gameplay or you mean story? Because that's that the story let's, part is gonna let's let's uh, do gameplay first, just so people get an idea, and then we have to talk about the story. Because in the first like three okay. minutes, I have some serious ideas that we have to unpack here. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. So basically, the gameplay is that you you have uh, an arsenal of weapons that gets you know updated. Uh, Every sta- every couple of chapters and beyond, and then actually has a cap at one point. And each weapon—that's what I like about uh, this design choice—is that each weapon doesn't have ammo. Because if you were going on the on a suicide mission in a way, uh, 
you would make sure that you have enough ammo and you wouldn't wait, you know, to kill someone to get the ammo. Because I think it's stupid, uh, I mean, in a design choice to make a weapon, you know, very... For example, the BFG weapon in uh, Doom or Quake. Okay, anyhow, one of the two. Doom, yeah. Is, is, is a, is a fan yeah, it's a fantastic weapon, but you have, like, so limited ammo. It's, it's like you get to use it so little and then, it you know, you don't have... You don't get so much ammo anymore, and sure. I think it's a bad way to balance a, a good weapon, like a, a weapon that's fun. If you want to balance a weapon, you have you can do it differently. I mean, to me at least. For example, uh, in Until I Have You, you have a bat, which is a closed-range weapon, obviously, which does a lot of damage. But you have to get close, and you have a gun that does, you know, it's a ranged weapon, so you does it does uh, damage, but significantly less not that less but you know you have to be you have the, the advantage of range and then you have a laser which is very good against uh, uh, non you know non armored uh, units like for example if something's very you know metal like it's not gonna do much damage but in uh, you know in enemies that are like more uh, fleshy I think yeah it work it does more damage I can explain about that later because that may, that has a point. And then you have the flamethrower, which you can use to melt things and to slow things down. And then there's a kind of one-off. There's a kind of a not a portal gun. I think it's a dust gun. Yeah, which helps you do jumps. But that's a one-off. That's only for one chapter. Um. So the the basic. The basic premise of the game, as in, term, in terms of the gameplay, is that uh, uh, because of the 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 mask and the suit that uh, per the protagonist is wearing, uh, he begins to go crazy. So as the game progresses, for example, when you use the slow motion thing, which is you know common in games anymore, you have a slow motion in a platformer. Uh, the enemies change uh, attributes. For example. Uh, a guy in a heavy armored, uh, you know, like a SWAT guy, changes into a beast, so you can damage him more if you are in slow motion using the laser, and actually kill him very easily. So, okay, do you want me to? Okay, so, so we, the game starts out. We've got a fast car on a highway. Dude says that he's about to do something questionable. And I imagine that when he's saying this and he's talking to himself, uh, much like they did in Twi Twin Peaks, that he kind of, when he says questionable, that he kind of makes the quotations around it. Like, it's going to be questionable. And that he could be labeled as a mass murderer, a terrorist, or worse, a thief. A thief. What, what is going on in this place where a thief is worse than both a mass murderer and a terrorist. No, I know, but uh, to him it's worse because... <laughs> yeah, you well, know, what's going on uh, in this guy's head? What's happening here? Well, he's very delusional, you know. He thinks he he's the, 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 you know, he's the hero of an anime uh, thing, which is a complex. And he thinks that... Uh, He's uh, very good at his job, and everyone else that you know isn't good at their job, they're like common thieves. That that's why he says the thief thing, because mm. he thinks that he's above everyone else, and he because everyone knows him by his uh, you know his uh, his uh, alias. I think that's the word, uh, which is the artist, because he's like so good at his job. It's it's a cyberpunk slug, by the way, the artist for a hitman. He's basically. A, a bad guy, but he thinks, you know, he's doing he's like, you know, drawing paintings and he's actually killing everyone. <laughs> but he's, he's told. It, but it, it's art because he doesn't get caught. Like, he is he is that good. Exactly. That, yeah. Hmm. So what's the deal the with, the, with the exoskeleton? Well, uh, that's, that's a hard question. Okay, basically oh, okay, he gets right. this thing. No, 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 it's okay. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, he basically gets this exoskeleton and you know he's like super delusional that he puts a suit over it because he wants to look classy because that's <laughs> what you know yeah that's what people with an inferiority complex do or a superiority every, every complex every girl's crazy for a sharp dressed man 
Yeah, that's a great song, by the way. <laughs> Even if they have a metal and very face. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. I don't think that's going to work very well for him anyway. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in dating, it's not going to work very well. But he's... No, that's he's probably not, not going to fly very well. That with the, 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 like, exoskeleton helmet. That looks really freaky altogether. Yeah, but it's also very impressive, you know. For example, for a woman, he, he she would say... I mean, he looks like a creep, but... He's very confident because, you know, he came with that creepy face and asked me out. So I'm going to go out with him, I think. No, I wouldn't personally. <laughs> uh, but the point is that he gets this exoskeleton suit and he realizes that actually he's been working, uh, you know, for this firm for free because he wanted to skip town. And he gets this exoskeleton suit and then realizes that he can use it to get his wife back, who, who, who got kidnapped, uh, as means of extortion, you know, to get him to work for free and not never leave town, mm. because, like, who would leave a you know a fantastic uh, hitman to go out? That's not how. Yeah, that would be works. crazy. That'd be insane. That'd be like, <laughs> well, you, know, like... you know, you wouldn't let a good employee go go away for no reason. I mean, it's very stressed out, you know, it's very stressed to say this for, you know, if you would extort them by kidnapping their wife, but you wouldn't let them go. Um, so they keep him doing his thing, and he he's doing it to save Emily, but uh, the fun part is that uh, uh, when you play the game, uh, when, they, uh, when it's chapter ends, and regardless if it's chapter ends, but when... Um, the game takes you to the apartment, which is basically an apartment. It's like the mother base in Metal Gear Solid or Wing Commander. Um, where basically, when you finish the chapter, things change. And there's this device uh, that plays holographic flashbacks. So you see, you know, if you, do, you don't have to see anything in the apartment if you want, if you don't want to. It's a, it, it exists for those that you know care more about the story you actually you can skip every dialogue if you want to um, but for those that you know it's, it, it tells the story you know it gives more detail to the story for those that actually will sit down and you know have a look so, so you can because delve more the, into who the, the artist is and his relationship with Emily by watching the, the holograms and, and stuff like that back at the apartment yes so, and you will basically realize how the story is actually going, you know, because, um, you know, there's there's a saying that, I'm not sure if that's a universal saying, but they say that in every story there are two sides. Your side, his slash her side, and the actual side. And the apartment actually tells the, the story from uh, the actual side. Hmm. So you, you actually, if you watch them closely, you realize that... Uh, He's very delusional. So that video that plays in the no. the video that plays in the apartment, that's actually the truth. Yeah, that's actually the okay. the truth. That's that's neat. I like I really kinda like that concept. Mm hmm Uh the the apartment, for example, wasn't planned as I said earlier. It wasn't it didn't exist but then I realized that, you know um because we've made the choice to um, always have the um, the, uh, the the main protagonist silent towards others because I kind of love writing monologues and I thought that was the way. <laughs> uh, that but because we went with that choice, he always he only talks to himself. I thought that you know through monologues you can't get much. You know nobody would reveal anything besides gloat in a monologue or you know express the feeling they're feeling like fear or something else. Right, yeah, they're, they're never going to tell you the truth. They're, they're just going to tell you their truth. Yeah, they're going to just, you know, bubble about what they want to bubble about. Mm -hmm. And that's usually how it goes in the game, in all the boss fights. Um, as for the boss fights, it's, it's, um, that's, the, that's the delusional part that you actually understand very early on, is that he's not going straight for his wife, you know, to get her back, which would be, you know, the, the actual choice because you have an exoskeleton and time is running out on you. 
he's actually going in a vendetta kind of mission and he's actually killing all the all the people that he has helped this past time to make the the firm that he's actually working for you know uh, weaker it's like for example if you were working on a company on 12 projects or something you would destroy them you know before actually confronting the company about it okay. so he's doing a vendetta mission because he's delusional I think we've established that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that, that sounds really interesting um, so what was it just something that kind of came out uh, of developing the game or was it a, like an intention from the very beginning to kind of have this to have a character that you know it I don't want to say isn't all there, but you know he is he is not in the right frame of mind, and so he's not really a reliable narrator. Uh, was that something that just like through the course of the game you decided, oh, this fits really well, or was that something that you wanted to do from the outset? Because that's not something that that video games generally try to do. It you know usually the person that you're controlling is you know the. Uh, what, the whatever hero? they say is yeah they're the hero exactly uh, I think um, well basically one of my favorite uh, uh, people that used to live on this planet is uh, Satoshi Kon he was a uh, he made perfect blue paprika which inspired the inception and you know he's, he's an anime director he was actually um, he passed away and um, he always had this thing in his movies as a common theme, which was like, you know, he would um, conflict reality with dream, so you wouldn't be able to tell them apart one, uh, from each other, from, yeah, from each other. So I thought that if I made the, the, like I would make kind of a contribute to his work, not in a slightest sense, you know, close, but I always liked that bit because I felt it was important in his uh, works. So I thought that um, it would be appropriate for the character to be delusional, you know, and grow delusional as the game progresses because of the, the suit. Because that's a main part of the gameplay, because as the game progresses, um, you know, visions begin to blend in with reality more and more and more. And, on, and, on, at, and at one point they're, you know, inseparable. Insepar that word. Mm -hmm. Where you can't separate things. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the point. Interesting. But the the thing is that I didn't want to make a hero because I feel that's very hard to write anymore because there's so many examples and you'll end up, you know, st stealing from someone. And I thought that if you made the protagonist, you know, to appear like a hero, but he's not, he's exact opposite, you know, he's actually delusional about it. It would work very well. That was the the idea and the premise. Nice. Yeah, I think I think that's a strong place to come from because yeah, they're you're always the hero, and I think that's something that we're starting to see more in kind of criticism from players of like, you know, it's just you're you're al almost always the good guy. You're you're you almost always have a happy ending, and I, I don't know other. Other media have branched out beyond that long ago, and video games still tend to to be about the the good guy. So that's I like that. Yeah, I know they they tend to cling on that because uh, you know in the past there have been very successful examples about that. I think a very good example of a hero that you know is actually very. He's portrayed directly is uh, the Binding of Isaac. I'm not sure if you've played that one or f are familiar with it. Uh, but I, play, I like I, how I never that's got done. To the end. It, I did play it, but I'm, oh, that's the I same. Never... That, that's a that's a huge game. Like that yeah. takes forever to finish. But yeah, that's that's a that's a nice point of a hero because you actually put the hero in a dark spot and not you know initially just you know place him in an out of place you know place I guess. That wasn't grammatically correct. Uh, you know, to... For example, Mega Man doesn't even have a backstory. He just appears there out of nowhere. They just, you know, eventually they build up a backstory mm -hmm. for him. But initially it was just, you know, a hero in the middle of nowhere because then a hero was needed. And that's it. I mean, 
even for example Super Mario is like very you know yeah that's a weird game I mean you're a plumber from Italy and you're about to save a princess yep oh god that that concept is very weird <laughs> it is but, um, but it's kind of a perfect example of because I, you know it's you are the hero not because of any reasons besides the game says you're the hero um, yeah, and I think that's that that kind of has to you know transform into something that makes sense. Sure. You just, I mean, what's the point of playing the hero all the time? <laughs> I mean, that gets boring eventually. Well, I mean, there are like, certainly other example, stories to be told. Absolutely, I, I think yeah, that's why. I, agree with that. I think that's why the uh, the Spec Ops the line uh, kind of struck a chord with so many people when it came out several years ago. Uh, we was because it was so subversive and you know you you weren't the knight in shining armor that you thought you were the whole time yeah i think spec ops is a is a great game when it comes to that because it just you know it it tricks you even because you think you know oh this is another game where i'm going to iraq you know that's the impression you get mm-hmm. you know to be the good guy in you know america but yeah, it 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 really sucks you when the when the switch happens, and that's that's a good that's a very good example of uh, of a game you know that takes a trope and destroys it in front of your eyes, mm-hmm. in a good way. I mean, I think, not, probably not intentional, but for example, the fact that uh, Samus Aran from the Metroid franchise is a is a woman, even though you know that the fact that you had to beat the game to see that you know see her more undressed is a bit, you know, eh, nowadays. Uh, I think it was very surprising to see, you know, a, a person in a suit that you thought, you know, was a guy. You thought you were playing a guy. Because I remember my first time when I saw that Samus Aran is, a, is, not a, is not a man, I was, like, surprised. And that's a good way. Uh, I think the only hero concept that will always work is the fact that you know is um, the Zelda games probably I'm a bit nostalgic about them because I grew up playing them but I think it's okay for you know Link to be the almighty hero that goes against the odds yeah I think there's definitely a place for it I think it's just you know there, there are more stories to tell and I'm excited for people to, to, to branch out of that so yeah, I mean, even games like Hotline Miami, you play like a crazed lunatic that goes and, you know, kills people. That is true. Surprisingly, yeah, surprisingly, Hotline Miami is a very huge uh, inspiration to this game. Generally, the Drive movie, that, yeah, Hotline Miami, I like how they do the, they did the, you know, you actually play, play a crazed maniac mm-hmm. that likes hurting people. And I really like I really like both games, uh, <clears throat> and I think but the first one made a very huge impression on me. And we tried to you know the fact that the character is kind of a mute but only talks to himself is uh, is very inspired by Hotline Miami because generally it's a problem you know when you're making a character that's a protagonist and you want him to appear badass, the 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 first thing you mustn't do is make him talk. I mean, for example, Gordon Freeman hasn't said a thing ever in Half-Life. And everyone knows, you know, the Crowbar uh, scientist. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I think that people have the wrong uh, impression on how they should, you know, make a protagonist a protagonist. I mean, they just think that if they want a badass character, he has to deliver lines like, you're all gonna die, you know, with a very deep voice. <laughs> and... And yeah, that was okay, for example, in games like Max Payne, but um, it's kind of a trope that has to, you know, we have we have evolved beyond that to have it again. Sure, but but I think Max I mean, Payne actually kind of fits in, into a similar area as, as the artist, uh, because most of Max Payne's greatest lines aren't him talking to... Uh, to anybody, his his greatest lines are him talking to himself, and he's got kind of that film noir thing going for him, which I, I feel like was was kind of an inspiration here. Did you try to make it, it? I don't know, kind of like a a cyberpunk film noir sort of thing, like Blade Runner. I, I don't know, kind of yeah, well, Blade 
feels like it kind of has some. Oh, okay. It's impossible to make anything cyberpunk and you know refuse that <laughs> you're actually you know a fan of Blade Runner. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Blade Runner. There's a point in the game that you break, uh, you know, you go, you hunt someone down, and you just you know run around through buildings and break you know stuff. And there's this one point where you break mannequins, which is a reference to the part where you know uh, Prick, uh, oh not not Prick, Rick Packard. Um, uh, Deckard, well, what what is wrong with me today? Uh, he's uh, killing the the person, and uh, she's falling through the glass. And yeah, I think Blade Runner is a huge reference when it comes to visuals and the whole you know city gazing aspect aspect of it, where you basically just you know sit around and watch the city. And because Blade Runner is a tech noir, I think. Uh, and those draw a lot of film noir kind of things, yeah. I think it's a combination. I, I really like Max Payne. I mean, I can still quote some of his lines. Uh, I think he's a great character. Even if he, if, 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 he, if he falls into, you know, one too many tropes. But that's okay. I don't think that makes him bad in any way. And the fact that, you know, Max Payne also, you know, has a trouble past and gets kind of crazy and goes in a vendetta mission, those are all kind of alike. Sure. Uh, there's no similarities to uh, Deckard in any way, unfortunately. Uh, I kind of, you know, wanted to do the, the wanted to go with uh, the drive uh, uh, canon, where basically uh, in the movie, the driver is uh, the only name, you know, attributed to the to Ryan Gosling's character, and you don't know anything ever about his past. Mm-hmm. And but that wouldn't work in our uni- in my universe at least, except the you know the fact that the other that my that, that the artist is only you know referenced as the artist. That's the only thing that works. And that's also a very good movie. Drive. Yes, yes it is. And, and, and I can definitely see, especially having played through the first couple of levels, where um, where the kind of that inspiration comes from, especially with just the uh, the 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 fast pace and the the the, the bat swinging. <laughs> uh, that bat is a nasty weapon. I know. Uh, there's even uh, there's a, like I don't. I think it's a very you know uh, so and so thing you know to be re- to you know be inspired by someone and you know not expecting them not not um, I said expecting no not accepting the the fact that you are actually inspired. Uh, I don't think there's something I've been inspired by uh, while making this game that I haven't you know directly. Reference in any way, in 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 some way at least. I mean, there's a Blade Runner reference, which is very, you know, impossible not to get. Uh, there's a the fourth chapter is very um, is uh, it's it's about you know hunting down this guy that uh, has is very rich but has gone crazy, and he actually built a Victorian castle. So it's very, uh, it's a it's a reference, you know. It, Obviously, if you play the level, you'll see that it's a reference to Castlevania games. We, I mean, who were very hard, and the second one was very unfair. But I spent so many weekends on that <laughs> when I was a uh, when I was younger. But uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't try to shy away my inspirations. I don't think that's a you know a bold move to do anyway. I like to yeah, show the, you know, the things. Absolutely. I mean, you know, where own the inspirations and, 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 you know, find a way to make them your own. And that's that's great. Let them see where people are coming from and then let them see how you kind of changed it for your stuff. That's definitely the way to go. I mean, as long as you don't end up, you know, making a room that has, you know, like uh, Superman-like type things. Like, usually most people uh, get very overboard with that because... In many games, you see, for example, in an adventure game, you would see a room full of uh, uh, references. Like there would be like kind of a comic con, and everyone would be dressed as their favorite, you know, superhero. And then you would realize that this room is kind of like a tribute entirely, and has it serves no other purpose. 
as long as what you're doing serves a purpose and you you were inspired by something, it's okay to show it, but you have to, you know, remember there are boundaries about that. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Brian, do you have any uh, more questions about the game before we go into the or yeah, the end game? <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm definitely ready for the end game. All right. Uh, like we we told you at the beginning, James, uh, we kind of like to end with a bit of a questionnaire uh, that's more focused on yourself. Um, it does get harder as it goes on, but I have full confidence that you'll be able to make it through. <laughs> um, so we will just get I'll started. I'll try my best. Exactly. That's all okay. we ever ask. Um, first question: Who is your famous? Who famous? Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Okay, that's a hard one. Okay, that the. It um, is. I'm sorry. That's, we start out rough and, and get rougher. Okay. Uh, I think I would go... Yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, with Samus Aran for the Metroid franchises. I mean, I to me, at least even if she's a woman and I'm not a woman, it feels very re- relatable, the fact that, you know, she never speaks and... Uh, I mean, at least from the earlier franchises, I'm not sure if nowadays they make her speak, but I think it's very... Yeah, I would go with Samus Aran, because she's a badass anyway. Yeah, she spoke in mm-hmm. one of them, and that one wasn't very good. Uh, uh, I think the, okay, the last one they made, uh, Other M, uh, there were a lot of people that criticized that game for basically making Samus not as badass as they always imagined her when she was not talking and apparently complaining about stuff. So, uh, so, yeah, good pick. Same like as all the way. Same. But uh, that is an excellent pick, though. So, flipping the coin, question number two, who's your favorite antagonist? Okay, that's a fantastic question, by the way. I don't think I've ever thought about that. All right. Yeah, I, I enjoy the second one a lot, yeah, because I, I like, I think having to consider uh, a, a, a villain is uh, is excellent. I think, alright, I I have one question before I, you know, I haven't, okay. Uh, In Star Wars Old Republic, there's, there's a kind, it's kind of, it kind of messes the fact that, okay, I want to pick Revan, Darth Revan from uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, but that's also a protagonist, does that count? Otherwise, I'm going to go with the bias. Yes, no, that totally counts. Yeah, no, you can can totally be evil, so yeah. In, uh, not only can you do it think... evil, but in the actual, like, in the, the MMO that they have out, the actual Old Republic itself, uh, Revan comes back as kind of an antagonist. So that, that totally works. Yeah, I think Revan is a badass again. <laughs> and I think the reveal that you are Revan is, like, out of nowhere. I think that that game was better than the prequels, in a sense. Uh, oh, yes. yes. Without most a doubt. Ways. <laughs> in most ways. I mean, ways. at least better than Phantom Menace and, uh, you know, the second one that I don't want to remember anymore. But the third one was good. The third Star Wars movie was good. It was I mean, not better perfect, than previous but it was okay. Yeah, it, it, it had some good moments in it. Yes. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, third question. Um, is there any kind of, uh, like, a, like trend um, or something in video games today that you think is is uh, small and you'd like to see kind of grow larger. Um, something that you'd like to see become kind of more proliferate throughout the industry. That that maybe maybe we're doing on a small scale but just not doing enough of. I think lately with, uh, you know, with Undertale, um, I'm not sure how small it is now, but it's definitely growing. That I think it's important to, you know, because games nowadays are like very Metroidvania kind of games, you know, coming out and RPG kind of games coming out. I mean, for the indie scene at least. And I think uh, the way that Undertale kind of mocks every single game out there, you know, with ridiculous outcomes on whatever you choose, I think that's that's the way to that's the way to go, you know, to actually show the player, you know, that you can uh, I mean, in Undertale it kind of went that way, but then, you know, branched out to three endings. That was a bit disappointing, but not very disappointing. I like the game. But I think that if we, you know, 
keep exploring things and make things more vast. Like for example, No Man's Sky, which is a PS4 game that's coming out. Uh, it's very vast. I mean, according to them, you can never uh, go to the same. You can you can explore like eight million star systems. I think the more vast and more you know choices that affect that actually affect things go. I think that's the way to go. Because that's very fun to play, and you don't get to play the same thing that everyone does. But that's that's also very hard to design. Because you know, I mean, for example, Life is Strange gives you the illusion that you know your choices matter, and they do in a way, in a sense. But eventually, you just get to pick two endings. Did that make sense? No, no, totally, totally. Okay. Flipping the coin. Yeah, no, you you were on it, man. Flipping the coin, um, are, are there any tropes in video games that you'd like to see just go away completely? Something that's so overdone, you're like, listen, we're just we're over it. I think, um, okay, the the most typical uh, trope I think that everyone doesn't like is the damsel in distress and the male protagonist. But I think I want to see them gone, not not entirely, but you know, at least done differently. But I think you know with. Um, you know, with a vo- with uh, opinions voiced lately, you know, with the feminist thing uh, rising up, I think that it should be noted that we shouldn't, you know, make a protagonist in a game female just for the sake of it being female. I mean, it should fit the story and the universe, and then it's acceptable, because otherwise it would be, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, satisfying the customer for no other reason uh, than that, and that's wrong. But I think the damsel in distress thing has to go, you know. Even if, even if until I have used a kind of damsel in distress game, but it's not entirely that. It just, you know, it, it tricks you into being, you know, into that. This is it. Hmm. All right, we'll take your word for that, on James. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Next question. Um, I, you know, as you said earlier, you're you're living the dream. You're making games. Um, if you had the chance. Um, is there any any other profession you'd like to try? No restrictions. Um, no, really, no. Oh, okay, this is this is sounding sappy, but this is something I wanted to do ever since I was a, a small, you know, a small boy. And at least I'm not gonna lie about it. It's all about circumstances. I mean, sure, there's always hard work and you know effort that pays that you know that pays off. But usually it's very circumstantial, you know. For example, I mean, in, in, for example, in Notch's case, that you know, he's very, you know, he's he's the only game designer that I know that lives in Beverly Hills in a mansion. Um, yes. He, I mean, his effort, you know, is something that should be, you know, proud, you know, yeah, he should be proud about, uh, proud of, but. Uh, it was also very circumstantial that it, you know, it became to exist uh, as a huge success. Not that he didn't do anything; he didn't do anything about it. But you know, like we could replay this scenario like two years later or two years earlier, and it wouldn't work. It just, you know, sometimes success is very circumstantial. I think that's my favorite word now. I said it four times. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. It, it was one of those things where it, it was the right idea at the right time to to kind of usher in the that genre uh, that we've seen so much of at this point that somebody else probably would have made it if he hadn't. Um, so totally. like just cha- chasing the example, fame is is not the the right idea, I, I guess. Yeah, I also think for example, Undertale wouldn't work like four years ago or two years ago. Because Undertale came at this point where everyone was like, you know, in love with Life is Strange and they were thinking, you know, we need more games with choices and things that actually affect things. And Undertale came, you know, to exist saying, you know, that indie games, not that they are dead, but, you know, they're not here to go, you know, we're not having a... Because it has been a topic lately and I think it's very wrong to say that indie games, you know, are kind of, you know, falling into into tropes. Yeah, some of them are. I I won't argue about that. But I think um 
I think I'm glad that in games exist because when I was younger, we used to have all these big franchises and they would only you know get bigger, and everyone would go, oh, we need more gameplay. Who cares about you know, Call of Duty 12 or something? And I think indie games came to have a place for that. I mean, Undertale doesn't have the greatest graphics ever, and they're they're abysmal at best. <laughs> But but it's a but it's a great game that doesn't make it any less uh, you know entertaining. Mm-hmm. What was the original back, question? Back to the question. I think I went. You did. It went far off, but that's fine. Uh, profession. <laughs> what would you like to try? Uh, you said you had an idea for it that you were going to just go ahead and say it, and then you left. No, no. I said that I wouldn't say anything else. That's what I said. That's that that I said that this is going to sound. Oh, okay. Sloppy, okay. That's why we went with the circumstantial That's discussion. That's why we, okay, and gotcha. we went overboard. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, if you had, if you, next question, um, if you got the chance to go back uh, and play something for the first time, um, what would it be? Oh, that's a that's an amazing question. These questions are amazing. They're the best part of the interview. I will tell you that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> They're so fun. Uh, I think I, uh, I would replay Minecraft Island 2, which is my favorite game ever. I don't like adventure games. That tells a lot. Okay. I don't despise adventure games, but I think adventure games, you know, have lost the... They, you know, it started with a way to tell a story... And a, story, and a story that was captivating, and then they just, you know, focused on making puzzles. And, you know, that's not the... I don't... I never felt that was the way, and I didn't play adventure game for the puzzles. I just... The puzzles were just an obstacle, you know, to overcome and see the story. Absolutely, absolutely. And you said Monkey Island 2, correct? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure I'd heard that right. Actually, I think that's actually our first uh, our first Monkey Island mention with this question. I think so. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So congratulations, excellent. I'm glad you started this. You started us down that road. Um, final question, uh, and the big sappy okay. one. Um, at the uh, okay. at the, the end of our days, uh, when we uh, come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds, um, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to... Uh, can I reply as happy as possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so... You know, that's... yeah. You know, that... Okay, the, the answer would be that Todd would say to me, Welcome to another castle. Because he, he kept <laughs> saying that Princess is in another castle. Oh, yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, so welcome I think to I went castle. so overboard with the happiness on that. <laughs> but in 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 re, in a realistic reply, I think he would say that uh, first you should have told Notch, please make please hire me, and he would probably <laughs> say, and he would probably say that uh, princess is in another castle, one one more time, and I would be okay with that. That you'd be fine with that. That'd be all right. Yeah, because that, that means that Todd is, like, you know, a constant value in your life. The guy that keeps disappointing you. <laughs> <laughs> what, well played. Well played. All right, well, that takes us to the end of the, uh, the end of the end game. Uh, you've done very well. Uh, thank you so much. Jonathan, why don't you take us home? All right. Well, James, Did I have a they... high score or something? Yeah, I, 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 if it makes you feel better, I'll say yes. Um, I don't normally keep score, uh, but these imaginary <laughs> numbers that I'm writing on the paper in front of me um, do point to you having scored very highly. And, and since right, you used good. Monkey Island in, in question number six, that got, got that earned you some bonus points that counted towards something that we haven't decided yet. And and also All he right, mentioned okay. he used the your princesses in another castle, but then he added a twist to the end. Which people Correct. don't normally do, so that that earns some some points. There. Normally, they're just they're 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 content to say the princess is another castle line, which just kills us. But the yeah. twist at the end—that is what—that's uh, what what kept you in the running. 
Absolutely. Toad is okay, always disappointing. That's, that's... <laughs> nah, well, he's, James... He's such an asshole. <laughs> oh, James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, if you could just send us out by letting our listeners know uh, where they can go to find out more about Until I Have You and when they can get their hands on it. All right. So basically the Steam page is up, I mean, for a day now. So you can go on Steam and look it up. And the game is coming out on 4th of April 2016 on Windows and Linux. And hopefully more. But these are the starting platforms. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again. I'm really glad that you were able to to joining us on the show. And, uh, yeah, good luck as you kind of finish up development, go into launch here, and... Uh, as you, you know, I, I guess support this for a while and, and work on new and exciting things. 